Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, glory to God. Welcome this morning. It's going to be a beautiful day inside as well as outside. I mean, I know it's Father's Day, but uh, that little bit of rain, come on. We, we were pushing hot, and now we're pushing not. And so I'm, uh, I'm loving it. You know, Dad's Day is one of those great things where you, you, can, uh, you can be a father to everybody, but uh, everybody likes a little downtime, right? And it's nice to love your family with your family. And so today, even here, we'll bring it. The, this is interesting. So uh, the Lord almost said, I was hoping everybody brought a cow today because we're going we're gonna to build an altar and kill something. But um, so anyway, now you know where we're going. Didn't, didn't want to pull out the knives later, have somebody flinch. We're after something you brought. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll walk out. We'll be different. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be the same. And so let's open with a word of prayer this morning as we head into our third round of gleanings. And Father in heaven, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that your anointing destroys the yoke. It it pulls down strongholds. Your word has been released to us, Lord. And those things that we were familiar with are things that are not going to hold us into a place of commonality. But Lord God, they will, uh, they will fall and we will walk into the destiny that you have for us. We thank you for the unction of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking and into our ears and we as your sheep know the voice of our master and we will not follow another. So speak today, Lord God. And we will walk into the liberty that you've declared for us, to the anointing that you have for us, and we will take and do what you've set before us to do. All glory to your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, we'll continue with gleanings. The Lord has been having me walk through some things. I've been walking through notes and stuff like that, going back over the last, basically, six months um, is all that, that, that's been the time constraint that he's been having me look at. Um, and so here, I will just give you the last six months of sermons that you've been feasting on, okay? I, I'm not going to give them, I'm not re-preaching anything, I'm just looking. And so here's, we have, do not quench the spirit. That's been in the last six months. Fruitfulness has been in the last six months. The language of faith, full of compassion, habitation of God, in your control, theology, a disciplined race, revolutionary revelation, and honor's reward. This is our last six months of feeding grounds, our fields to glean from, things to look at. One thing that I, I heard Andrew Womack say this when, when we went down to Karis, and so this has been in my last six months. Um, he said this, he said, supply 
is where God told you to go, not where you are at. Okay? And so when we look at these things, when we start to glean these things, we have to look at them because there's a reason they were placed in our life. We're becoming, um, you know, when the Lord gives you instruction, he expects you to follow. He doesn't expect rebellion. He doesn't expect disobedience. He says, those who love me, obey me. And he knows that the reason you love him is because he first loved you. So because I've been so loved of the Lord, I find that, that you know, I've been rebuked. I've been corrected. I've been chastened. I've been edified to a glory. He's given me a glorified future because he loves me so much. And so as we glean through these things, I'm going to look at this. So 1 Kings 17 Verse 1 through 7, it sounds like this, and so I'll just read it real quick. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be dew nor, nor, not be dew nor rain. No dew or rain. Listen as you hear the rain. Oh, glory to God. You hear that? That's awesome. Anyway, no dew or rain. These years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so we found that his provision, his supply, was not where he was, where he was but it had to be where he was going. Our supply is in these teachings for where you're going. If we want things of, do we want the spirit quenched in our lives? Do we want to be fruitful? Do we want to have a language of faith? Do we, do we want to be full of compassion? How was Jesus moved? What was he moved by? Faith, move with compassion. He showed fruitful works. He was the habitation of God. You know, and it's in your control. I'm just reading titles here. Just a second. You know, it's a disciplined race. And there's an honors reward I know my God, he's really good at accounting. He's never missed a hair on a head. I mean, he knows so well. And so every deed is wrote down in heaven. That's why you want the blood on your side. Because <laughs> you don't want all the deeds of what your mind, your carnal mind has been telling you. The thing that tries to hold you back from the future that God has for you. And so we see this revolutionary revelation that can change all that we have. 
And so, I'll continue. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Glory to God. It's the miracle of God. It's the source and supply of God. Verse 7, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. You're standing in the provision of God. You did what God said. But your supply just ran out. You just obeyed God. It was miraculous. You got to see His hand. The raven was on ready, you know? He was. And he did his job. And now birdie, birdie, no more. I mean, it's, he went out the door. Anyway. Uh, so, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, You know what God didn't stop doing? Speaking. He's still speaking. Some of us have walked ourselves into places, gotten ourselves into miraculous things, seen some hand of the Lord, and he was in it 100%. Don't get frustrated when it changes. Realize that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. But a widow is not what I want. I want a bird. That is not going to be my supply. I'm not going to take from somebody that doesn't have it. Bundling a few sticks that she can feed her child and die. This isn't God. I got a two-pronged message this morning. Both ends are sharp, but we already started on one of the sharp points. So uh, what we're going to do, though, is go back to where they meet. I need to find where they meet because that's where the strength of every prong is. It's up at the front. It's at the top of that fork where it comes together, where it gets bolstered. It gets stronger. You can feel, and now it can support the load. And we got to get up to this point. So we're seeing here that the Lord has provided, that he's done these things, that, he, that, that, that uh, he's called it. And it's not as we always see it, but... The word of the Lord came to him. And so, I'm going to dance through here. I do not know how this was going to come out today. So, it is in note form. Anybody ever preached out of just notes? Like, no sermon, just, just some ramblings on a page? We're going to do it. Glory to God, wrong Bible. Can't have that one. Got to go to this one. Stay on the right Bible, Mike. Okay, I'm going to touch this real fast to show you about accountability. Just one verse, it's, it's Acts 15, 36. See, we've been learning about a disciplined race, which is uh, Hebrews 12, 1. Um, and Pastor Sean did ask the question, what baits you? Greatest question, I mean, it's a fantastic question. Um, because, you know, those things that, that uh, would hold you up or ensnare you or cause you, you've got to know what baits you. 
Um, anybody that's dealing with addiction needs to know when they're going to get triggered, you know, and things like that. And nobody, but Satan loves to ensnare you. There's so many scriptures about him setting snares for you and traps for you. And he wants to take you down. And if we know what that is, then we can build that area of our life. And we'll know that chest day is going to hurt, you know, because you just... Or, you know, whatever day it is. I mean, there's, everybody likes certain days when they're working out. But there's days that are uh, going to hurt. And we have to work on them. And so, Acts 15.36 says this. This is, this is Paul. Um, and it says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren, in every city we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Sounds almost like a gleaning scripture. Like we're going back over something to see how they're doing. It's called accountability. And see, it takes discipline to do this. And so we, we find that uh, we, we showed, this shows that Paul believes that it was important to go back over it. Because he went back over those churches. He revisited those things. And so we look at these things. we got to find them. A disciplined approach. These are, these are some items. I, I don't think that this was stated. I don't know how, but it's in my notes. So, you know, give him, I'll give Pastor Sean all the credit. Sounds great. Um, it takes a disciplined approach. See, so what creates the opportunities of ensnarement? This reveals areas of weaknesses in one's life. Those, that was specifically, I know that. And here's what it says, but here's the things that we have to do with ourselves. With ourselves. With ourselves. A loving action. Because if I don't love me, I don't love you. I don't believe in what Jesus did for me, so I don't believe what he's going to do for you. I'm limiting the outflow of the authority structure of heaven because I'm out of alignment. Because I'm disjointed, I cannot release to you fully what he's released to me. So I have to learn how to love myself. So a loving action is a disciplined approach to these things. A faithful response. When does faithful end? I like what the Word of God says. Enter in, my good and faithful servant. See, he considers the race over. He, he waits till you get, you know, to the closing grounds of this whole thing. He didn't, nobody got the faithful stamp necessarily in the middle of their life. Faithful response. These are, these are ways to review, to, that discipline has to be incorporated. They have to become through a loving action, a faithful response, a wise word. We pressed into Proverbs for the first two weeks on this, and we were looking at wisdom and what it does. And we heard so many times, son, attain to my words, my child, listen, you know, lean in, you know, glean these things, hold them dear to your heart. And we would see that wisdom, a wise, approach, a wise word needs to be spoken. And then a timely release. So many people don't always understand when to do it. But see, Jesus moved when, he, uh, moved when he was filled with compassion. We have to realize that passion is, is, a, is a desire for us. 
okay? And passion is correct. It is of God. Everybody has passion. Passion gives you destiny. I was passionate about insurance. I was passionate about children. I was passionate about puppies. I was passionate about finance. I was pa they Passion shows you a destiny. But peace is what gives you the timing. I didn't even put that in my notes yet. That's some other notes that you guys don't have. So I can't give you the scriptures on it. Peace is what gives you the timing, though. So many people would find the passion for a new sports car. I want to get that. Oh, I love it, love it, love it. They got lots of passion. And then they look at their bank account and see if there's any peace. <laughs> they find out that there's no peace to pursue this passion. Okay? We have passion for things, but you can't move until you're at peace with them. So we must pursue peace at all times. Many people are passionate about, well, I'm going to jump into the ministry. Let's just go with that one. They're going to go change the world. But did they have a peace about it? Yeah. They're going to college. They're going to go do whatever they want. I mean, changing careers, marrying somebody. Oh, there's passion, plenty of passion. Is there peace? See, peace tells you the timing. That's when you move. Passion tells you your destiny, shows you where you're going. So I'm going to touch these two things. This, is, this will all come together here at the end. Trust me. And I can do it. Yes. Okay, I'm going to look at, here's, here's one of the prongs here. Genesis 31, 34, this is going to be, the Lord hit me with this, and I was like, what? And he gave me one scripture, two scriptures, and I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Feels personal. No, uh, it's personal for every one of us, trust me. I'm, I know I'm not out, but I know I'm not out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Glory to God. Genesis 31, verse 34. We're talking about Rachel here and, um, and uh, Jacob. And so Jacob is going to leave Laban. He's like, I'm out. Guy's been just a miserable cuss to me for so long. Changed my wages ten times. I've watched and done everything for him. You know, it's just not right that I treated him like a man of God, you know, the whole time because he's just my father-in-law. I just respected him and, you know, all these. What? But the Lord poured, poured out his honor's reward. I mean, we can, we can go through this. But uh, in, in Genesis 31, verse... Uh, Okay, so let, let's, let's, so they leave. Rachel takes Laban's idols, his teraphim, if you would. It's a word for idols, household idols. She steals them. That's his daughter. She takes them with them, and uh, Laban's upset. Jacob left. Laban's upset. He comes down. He chases down Jacob. You know what I mean? I wish I had the coconuts. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> see that? <laughs> yeah. Got a few of you there. That's pretty good. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, she, he chases them down. Uh, Laban chases down Jacob, catches up to him. 
accuses him of stealing the idols and everything. And, and Rachel says this in, in verse 34. It says, uh, oh, no, wait, yeah. Third, chapter 31, verse 34. Um, then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. Make sure I'm on the right one. What is this trespass? Why, what is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Hot pursuit in the Bible right there. Anyway, Genesis had a hot pursuit. I mean, we think we're so... Anyway, sorry. Glory to God. Keep it on. Okay. It says, uh, verse 30... Wait a second. Am I on that? 37. Oh, no. I got to back it up. I got to go to 30... Let's go 34. That's where I was supposed to be anyway. I read the wrong one. Now, Rachel had taken the household idols, but put them in the camel saddle and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is with me. And he searched about, but did not find the household idols. So she hid this. Okay. She stole her father's idols and she hid it. She covered it up. Now, there's many different thoughts, and I'm not, I don't care about that, but there's things like, because of divination and things like that, Laban would have uh, prayed, over, you know, prayed to these idols. They actually mattered enough to him that he took off. So he was probably going to seek uh, guidance from them, and she took his guidance. Or, because idols brought prosperity and blessing and blah, 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 all these thoughts to the household, she removed that from the household. Okay? Or... They were worth money because they were made out of gold, silver, precious things. And she took financial gain. I don't care. Now you just got three different ideas to think about inside your head when you go walking out of here today. That's all I did. Anyway, I gave you nothing. But I'm just telling you about the, she took his idols. That's the note I'm after. First uh, Samuel 19. First Samuel 19. Now, anybody know that, uh, so, so Saul had a daughter, her name was Michael. Michael uh, actually loved David, married David. And in, in uh, 1 Samuel 19, uh, verse 13, it says this. So this is when Saul's going to kill David. He's coming after him. And, and uh, so you understand, he's going to kill him. And so, verse 12, so Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in a bed. An image also means an idol or a teraphim, household idols. Now, put a cover of goat's hair on his head and covered it with clothes, made it, you know, that's the first, I mean, we saw this with, like, Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox, you know, everybody's, everybody's covering up the bed and putting the fake hair on and stuff like this. It's right there. We got hot pursuits in the Genesis, and we got, you know, the, these cover-ups in the, oh, he's still sleeping, you know, or whatever. I mean, we got people covering up things with hair on their arms, and it's like that, oh, it's a disguise, Mr. Disguisey. Anyway, uh, but uh, we, so she put this household idol. What? This is David, man after God's own heart, has what? He has What? Well, okay, let's, so where did it probably come from, or possibly come from? Who's her dad? Saul. Did Saul honor God? Did he at one point go consult a witch of Endor to find guidance and, oh, 
she was brought up with false idols and somebody that didn't honor the Lord. Could be her father's idol again. For David, it's his spouse's idol. Right? Hmm. Father, spouse, is okay, we'll, we'll just continue on. We're just looking at some things. So far we got idols. And for some reason, every one of them is covered and hidden. Joshua 7. Joshua 7. Verse, well, I'd uh, I say 11. This is the sin of Achan. I'm going to start with 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. They, so they, they went to take on Ai. They, they beat Jericho. Jericho's great, done, conquered. They go up to take this little bitty town of Ai. They say, oh, only take a couple thousand people. They have like 600,000 or I can't remember, 300,000 warriors, and they take like 3,000, 4,000 guys up to this town. So they didn't count it as anything. And they lose. And so in losing... Joshua's defeated, and uh, he's like, why? Verse 9 says things like, for the Canaanites inhabitants of the land will hear and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Oh, my God, God, you don't know what you're doing. That's what he's, he's disheartened, okay? Why? And then so verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, again, the Lord is always going to speak. Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have, been, they have taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. And then we see later with Achan that when he's confronted and he's taken and drawn out, that uh, he, it's uh, verse 22, so Joshua sent messengers, they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua. Okay, I'm going to back it up to verse uh, 20, real, real fast. This is Achan's understanding of why he did what he did. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord of God, and this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment... 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And they're there hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So we see that he coveted something here. He held something close, pulled it in, and then hid it. All these are just reflections of Adam at his sin. We knew it was wrong. Excuse me why I won't get off my camel right now. You know? I've been hiding. Sorry that everybody died at that last battle. I mean, I just wanted something for myself. Isn't it wrong? I mean, there was so much. So much money there. Did he really need it all? Why, do I, why should I give to Caesar what is Caesar's? Why? I mean, it's just, God, they make plenty of money. They don't. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. It's a fork. I'm leaving you with forks today. We ran ourselves into another tight one. We, keep, we found the secret place, or not the secret place, we found the place where God leads us, and then that dries up. Like, what? 
thought this was, a, I was following God. We, we got people that are taking things from their past, from their father's house, from their spouse's house, from these things, and they, they brought them in, and they're dirty, and they're hidden. We got to keep them hidden, you know. Don't want anybody else to know about these things. And they're sitting there. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is the, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6. Let's start with verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by others. Oh, we're good. We're talking about secret things, right? Okay. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you in the, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they have a glory from men. I gave a big offering. Good. That's all you're going to get is my good. And God just walked out. Do not, do not sound a trumpet before you as hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. You may want to underline in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Okay, that's giving. So I got giving in secret. We got a public reward from God. Giving. Giving is an idol to people. Sometimes they want to, you know, Let's just continue. Verse 5. And when you pray, giving and prayer, come on. You're really dealing with my Christian walk here. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you've shut your door, Pray to your Father who's in the secret place. The what place? Secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, I'd started writing a sermon at one point called The Secret Place. Somehow it lands in the middle of this dirty little thing of idols. We'll keep going. So we know that prayer and giving have now been touched, and we know that they must be done in a secret place, and we know that God will reward them. Let's continue, and we're going to skip past the, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, I do want to catch one thing. Let's catch part of this. Let's start in verse 14 before I get into it, because I just this is very necessary for our prayer life. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If we can't love ourselves and forgive ourselves, we can't even love others. 
We never get to be an outflow. We never get to minister, be a manifestation of Christ. We have to have him received in our lives to, to release. I, I love how if anybody was at the worship night, uh, uh, Pastor Abe said he was talking about filling up with God, with the love of God, so that you could minister out of that. Not out of legalism, not out of works, not out of like an old covenant ideology, but out of a new covenant fellowship with the Father. And how he could fill you up so full that he would release out of you a manifestation of heaven. So let's jump into verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, fasting, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. Oh my God. I'm fasting. I, I'm fa- you know, they start putting on heavy clothes so it looks like they're losing weight. Oh, I'm fasting. They're sucking their, their water in front of you. Why, why are you doing that now? I'm fasting. So, so hungry. Anyway. <laughs> they, they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, when you go through something that the Lord has, designed for you when he's called you to the brook Cherith and you're going to have widows, when he's called you to that place, that job, that occupation, that person to minister, when you go there, anoint your head and wash your face. See, we've got to wash ourselves with the water of the word. And we know what an anointing is. So anoint yourself with the Holy Spirit, anoint yourself with the word, cleanse yourself, and go and minister. um, Continue, sorry. But But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. I'm not going through a really a hard time, right? I mean, how are we doing this? And what is the glory? This is the, the bigger thing, is to whom is the glory? The absolute answer on this whole thing is to whom is the glory if you're taking it to yourself you've misplaced it if you get any accolade out of this you misplaced the obedience of God because he was trying to get something to you from him and we misplace it and we take it from man so that what you do appear Verse 18, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In verses 4 and 16 and 18, we see that there is open reward for us. Who gave that reward? God. This is wonderful, but we haven't got into everything that we need because I I just ran a whole bunch of forks, little prongs and things, but we haven't got to an answer. (coughs) I'm going to continue reading here. We'll get there. Um, Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, <clears throat> treasure and rewards usually seem very synonymous. Do they not? Is a reward a treasured thing? Do people put them on mantles? Do they get accolades? Do they, is this a treasure? So we find these rewards, these treasures. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. What are we looking at? What are we treasuring? What is the reward set before us? I know what Jesus' was. He told me about the reward set before him. What is our reward? And so the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? When your light is nothing but black, then you're really in a dark place. This is why the Lord has wrote in his scriptures that these people, anybody in sin, finds themselves deceived, bound. Seated places, you know, shackled, imprisoned. These are the words that he describes what Satan does to people. And he came to set the captive free, the prisoner. He was going to break those bonds, those chains. He came to bring light and revelation. He came that you might have freedom. So he brings this light to you. Verse 24, no man... No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So, how? See, these rewards, these rewards, these rewards, these treasures, even mammon, God and riches. We, we must continue to overcome in our lives. We must continue to overcome. We must remove the darkness. We must set our treasures in heaven. We must become spiritually mature. So let's get some hope before I got my last, you know, six minutes here. We got to get to something. We got a whole bunch of forks that came. But what happened? We found all these idols and they found out what are they? Rewards, treasures, things that people look to. But some of them were hidden. Some of them came with us from our past. Some of them were from our parents. Some of them were married into. Some of these things are sitting there, but they were idols nonetheless. And what we got to do is expose these idols. And so let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Well, let's just start in verse 2. Set your mind on things above. Where were these treasures? Where your heart is, your treasure is also. Like I said, when we walked into Matthew, we walked into prayer. We walked into giving. We walked into fasting. Those are Christian elements. That's who we are. That's what God is. That's our communication with God. And so set your mind on things that are above. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, see, if we just keep living, Christ, who is our life, your life, 
all of a sudden appears. You will be sitting there living your life, but you've set your eyes on God. So all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself running into Jesus, but he's going to be from you. It'll be your voice, your hands, your what? Because I set my eyes on heaven. On things above. <coughs> uh. when, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also, you also will appear with him in glory. Who gave you that glory? You're right there with him. You're getting your reward. Verse 5, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you th this is how the Lord tells me things like, Mike, that's why I told you about Achan, though it wasn't an idol. He said he coveted it. And I'm like, Lord, this ain't an idol. And then he says things like covetousness, which is idolatry. And I'm like, Lord, it's an idol. <laughs> this is how he writes my sermons. I'm writing and I'm putting things down. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's pretty covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, got it. Continuing on. This is how I find out that my points actually, that was the third, sir, third verse. Anyway. Uh, verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. What happened at Ai? Those were believers. They had sin in the camp. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. We've all been here. This is our past. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds. Now part of this, I'm going to hit some of this. So how are you doing today? Well, I just got out of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they told me to not speak no longer in the name of Jesus. Do we do this? Or do we say, oh, no, it's all great. Praise the Lord. You know, blood of the Lamb, word of his testimony, I'm going to overcome. See, how are we appropriating some of these things? When we speak, when we talk. Because... It's hard to bear up burdens of your brothers. Galatians 6, you know, bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. To love on your brother if you don't even know what's going on. But we bury our idol of our pride in the corner. Because we don't want to always release what's going on. You know what? I mean, what, what's going on with your kids? What's going on with your finance? What's going on with your... We drag our coverings, our camel hair covering, or our tent over the top of it so that everything looks good. And we're, we're not allowing Jesus Christ to walk up to us and speak into our lives. 
the answer that we have need of. The body of Christ has to minister. I'm going to tear this up real fast. Okay. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. We're going to get renewed. According to the image, that's our new idol, of him who created him. That's what we're looking at. We're pressing. So that there is neither no more Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all, in all, glory to God. Therefore, this is why, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. We've got to have an opportunity to be merciful. At least the world will tell you when they're falling apart. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. How do we get our prayers answered? Walking in forgiveness every single time. But above all these things, Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God, that's the timing of God, rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Glory. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's why we meditated on it. That's why we gleaned from it. Dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, with divine provision, divine power of God, outflow of Him in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Glory to God, we can overcome. He gave us all the answers. We have the full ability. All these things come down to the culmination of Jesus Christ and the ability that he gave us in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to us today, that you showed us those little things that we're going to make right, and, Father, that we'll get in alignment, that we'll allow your blessing to flow in our lives. Lord God, not that man can see it. We, we don't care about man. We care about you, Lord. We will not serve two masters. We will only look after you. You are the one that we set our eyes upon. You are the one that we have treasured. You are the one that we bow before. You are the one that we've called Lord. We've called Master. We've called king and there is no name or any authority that is higher than you and we thank you that you are speaking into our lives restoring us taking us to a place of complete and utter perfection in you that you will be glorified that we can be able-bodied ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a broken and dying world and Lord God that your body will not be disjointed but will be made whole and that we will walk in the strength and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ we thank you Father for you are greater than any name that has been named. And you are the name that we've placed upon our tongues, our foreheads, and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.